Thank you for being here this morning. Great singing and great specials. We're going to be looking for a few minutes in the text there in 1 Samuel chapter number 4. A couple of things. The Tauruses had their baby. Well, not both of them, actually. Bumi had the baby. Ruby. And so let's give them a hand in abstentia. <laughs> We're grateful for that. You know, it is easy to get down on ourselves, and um, it always amazes me. People will think things about themselves, putting themselves down and, and negative about themselves, uh, uh, things that aren't even necessarily true. Okay, we look down, we look down. Uh, many great people in history, we know uh, I'm not into art. I, I think, uh, you know, I just, I don't get it. But Vincent Van Gogh, he suffered from depression and anxiety, and he sold only one painting in his lifetime, and yet now his paintings are extremely valuable. Um, Abraham Lincoln, he was a great president, but he suffered from depression and had a very low self-esteem. Lots of business failures. He had many uh, lost elections, but yet we look back fondly on him now. If it wasn't for him and his leadership during the Civil War, um, America might be much different. Even Albert Einstein was dyslexic. He struggled in school. One of his teachers said that uh, this kid's not going to amount to much, okay? And um, how many of you understand the theory of relativity? I mean, you understand it. I don't. I remember I read a magazine, and I, I was like, explained it, and when I read it, it's like, it makes sense. But then when you try to figure it out, it's like you get a headache, okay? I guess he was just probably a little bit smarter than me. Helen Keller, <coughs> born deaf and, deaf and blind, and, and uh, she, she was very down on herself, and if it wasn't for a teacher pushing her, she would never accomplish what she did. You know, there's Bible illustrations as well, right? How did Moses take it when God came to him and said, hey, I want you to, to be, the, all he, be the spokesman? All he did was give excuses after excuse, and finally God said, look, we'll have your brother help you, but yet Moses was a great man and brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. I always loved the story of Gideon. <clears throat> the Midianites were, were <clears throat> basically punishing them, and, and they would go and um, uh, take, when their fields would become ripe, they'd take their food from them, and, um, and, and so God comes, to, they come to Gideon, God comes to Gideon trying to talk to him, and Gideon's hiding at night, threshing his wheat at night because he's in fear, and yet God told him, you're going to be the one that gives us victory. Even Jeremiah struggled with his calling until God said, listen, I called you. And I've formed you even when you were in the womb. Apparently God doesn't believe in abortion. And nobody that believes the Bible does as well. Now, <coughs> we think ill of ourselves sometimes. And I want to I share something with you to help us with that. This story we read, you know, I read a lot of, I, I, I read, as I read my Bible over the years, there's so many different stories I've read over and over. And it's like, you get it, but it's like there's something in there. And I've always read this story and and, um, uh, and I want to explain it to you this morning. This was a transitional time. Israel, after the death of Joshua, went through some very difficult times. And they did not have a king, but they would have judges. They would, <coughs> they would um, disobey God. They would get themselves in trouble. Other nations might come in and start giving them problem, problems. And God would raise up a judge, a guy for a set amount of time to come forth and to free them from the oppression. But we're getting to the end of that time, and we're getting to a very dark time. Eli 
is the one that's kind of leading at that time. And, and Samuel is on the way up to be the last judge. But <coughs> Eli's son were, sons were very wicked and immoral. I, can't, I don't want to mention in a mixed crowd the kind of things they were doing. They were supposed to be religious leaders. And they were doing some very, very horrific things. There was much spiritual darkness. And so the Philistines come, and they're going to have a battle with them. And they have the first little skirmish, and they lose that skirmish. They go home that night. And they're, they're sitting together trying to figure what happened and how they can change it. And someone comes up with what they thought was a brilliant idea. Let's take the ark of God. And let's bring the ark of God into the battle. And the ark of God will give us victory. As if the ark of God is some type of, uh, some type of uh, 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 a spiritual lucky charm that would give them an automatic victory. Not only that, to make it worse, the ark is going to be accompanied by those two wicked sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. The problem is they should have went to God, but they didn't do that. So they go out to battle, and it happens exactly like you think it would happen. The Philistines rout them. Hophni and Phinehas are killed. And the ark of God, the holy ark of God, is taken by the Philistines. News comes to Eli. Eli's a very old man. I believe he's 98 years old. And he's sitting. And when he hears the news that his sons die, and then he hears the news that the ark is taken, as soon as he hears that the ark is taken, he falls backwards. And he breaks his neck. And he dies. As if it can't get any worse, Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of one of his wicked sons who had died in the conflict, at that exact time, she's giving birth. And it's a very hard birth because she's going to die after the baby is, right after the baby is born. And so as she is dying, as the baby is being born, she gives the baby a name. Ichabod. That doesn't sound good. I mean, if it meant like precious flower, it still doesn't sound good. It sounds horrible. Who names their kid Ichabod, right? You know how it is when you have kids and we have grandkids, whatever their name is, I'll give them some type of little like, you know, nickname. I couldn't imagine calling my kid, Ick, get over here. But what's worse than the name is what it means. <coughs> it means the glory has departed. How sad for that young child to be saddled with such a horrible name. His name represents the times he was born in. It was dark times. The light that was supposed to always be burning uh, had almost won out. We see that in chapter 3. The word of God was precious in that day. God wasn't talking very much because of their wickedness and their evil and Eli's sons and all that stuff that was going on. Their country was very disorganized. And their ministers were disgraced. And all of this is lumped on to Ichabod because of his mom. His future was not right. When they would think of that poor kid, <coughs> his name would always be associated with defeat. It would also be associated with death. His father, his uncle, his dad, uh, his, uh, his uh, grandfather, his, his mom, that all of that would be associated with him. 
and his name is associated with darkness. I don't know anybody named Ichabod. Isn't it the headless guy? Isn't it? That should tell you something right there, okay? No one names their kid Ichabod. No one names their kid Judas. The name has always been associated with the loss of honor and the presence of God. That's what that name is associated with. It's symbolically used to describe something, uh, something valuable that has been lost or a person that has fallen from grace. It's a symbol of the spiritual decline of the nation and the loss of God's help. Really, it just represents losing God's glory and God's favor in your life. Now, that's all introduction. Here's the message. What if I could talk to Ichabod? By the way, he's only meant, his name is only mentioned one other time in the Bible. And it's not even in reference to him. It's in reference to one of his brothers. It mentions his brother's name who says he's the, he's the brother of Ichabod. I don't know how the kid turned out. But I'm pretty sure, if I had to guess, with that name, with everything dumped onto him, that it was hard for him. If he even did well at all. <coughs> what if I could talk to him today? What would I tell him? You know what I would tell him? Ichabod, it's not true. What your mom saddled you with, it's not true. That poor kid needed someone to step up and say, listen, God is not gone. Let me give you a couple reasons why his name is not true. Because, first of all, the glory has not departed. It hasn't. His dying mom thought everything that happened to their country, everything that happened to their family, everything that happened and losing the ark and losing the battle, she thought God is permanently gone and she's dying and I'm sure she knew that was coming and she settles the name on the kid. God is gone. The glory has departed. You know what the problem was? The people confused the ark of God with the God of the ark. God had never said, the ark is your power. God's our power. God's our glory. And let me just tell you something. God is not gone. God's glory is still there. They confused their defeat with desertion. Fact of the matter is, the, people, the only one who had deserted wasn't God. They had deserted God. That's where their problems lied. Ichabod, it's not true. God's glory has not departed. It's not attached to some relic or some singular event. I mean, you see these people that, you know, look at my toast. There's a picture of Jesus on it. Look, if I had a piece of toast and I thought I had a picture of Jesus, I'd put butter on it and eat that thing. You know, we're so silly about stuff like that. We're happy that we saw a face of Jesus in the clouds. Jesus doesn't want you to see that. He wants you to see his face in the scriptures. We're looking for all of this nonsense. By the way, I'll be honest with you. If you were to look around our country, you could think that God's glory has departed. You look at this world. And I don't want to harp on it, but they're coming after our children. You, you, by the way, you need to be very careful who you're listening to. These drag queen shows everywhere. They are perverse, wicked, and vile. 
And any politician that would be for that, they ought not to be voted for and they ought to be booted out of office. You say, Pastor, don't be political. I'm not being political, I'm being moral. Okay, hey, look, look, can I just tell you something? You really want to get God upset at you? Mess with the children. By the way, they're doing these transgender uh, 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 surgeries on them at 9, 10, 11 years old. Listen, they can't even drive till they're 17, 16. I don't let my kids drive till they're 18 because I'm a tightwad. I don't want to pay the insurance. But, but like, they, they, can't, they can't vote. They can't drink. They can't, make, they can't make a lot of decisions. Our government says, but yet they can make a decision about altering, permanently altering their body. When we don't protect children, that's a big time bad one. <coughs> our, our world is going nuts. We listen to the negativity, and everything is negative. They, they can make anything good. We see the division. And let me just say this, don't buy into that nonsense. Okay? Look around you here. I don't think we're divided here. Okay? All this racial nonsense that they're just trying to spew division. Listen, in this church, I'm the minority. <laughs> By the way, this is what church should look like. Can I, can I get a witness? People are people. But we're pushing that narrative. We just keep pushing it. We, it, it, it. Look, it seems like it. But let me just say that. Just because these things, they may have departed from God, God doesn't have to depart from us. We don't. We don't have to settle for that. Let me just say a couple things before I move on. Just because others are not seeing God's glory doesn't mean you don't need to see it. Right. See, we have a personal choice to see God. Amen. Just because, and let me say this, let's be personal. Just because maybe there's a time in your life and maybe the time is now that you've maybe lost a little of God's glory doesn't have to be permanent. Right. So the glory has not departed, Ichabod. The power has not departed. God had made it clear long before they entered the promised land that their victory in the promised land depended on their obedience to God. He made it very clear. And he said that if you'll stay with me and you'll do the right thing, no one will be able to stand against you. They didn't lose because God's like, oh, well, their God is better than, stronger than me. Their God was a false God. God was still just as powerful and let's just see how powerful he is. Look at chapter 5 really quick. You have your Bibles open. <coughs> chapter number 5. The Philistines found out the power of God pretty quickly. Verse 1. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. You understand what they're doing? Like, yeah, our God is the God. That's why we won. So they get, bring it into where Dagon's being worshipped, and they set, the temple, they set the ark there. And when they of Ashdod arose early in the morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face before the ark of God. And they took Dagon and set him up in his place again. Can you imagine that? They come in the next morning, it's like Dagon's face down. It's like, whoop, we got to prop our God up. And they lift him up again. So, they apparently didn't get the memo. Verse 4, And when they arose early on the morning, on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon the face to the ground before the ark of God, and the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. 
Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Now, not only fall down, God just kind of cut him in pieces. By the way, God could take care of whatever he wants to take care of. His power is still there. They just had a problem. Can I just tell you, say this? Can I just say this to you? Let's not look around at all the nonsense that's going on. Let's not look around at all the negativity. Let's just say, I want to see God's power in my life. Do you know God is still saving people? God's not out of that business. God is still changing a life. Oh, you know, we just live in dark times. Nobody wants the Lord. I don't think that's true. Fact of the matter is, the, those that are in the evil minority are pushing their narratives when a lot more people want the right thing. We're just being silent, but that's a message for another day. But people are looking for something better than what's offered out there. Okay? And we have the answer. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. God can still answer your prayer. God can still transform and change your family. Say, man, we've had issues and there's things going on. You know what that means? God has an opportunity to show how powerful he is in your life. You can still have victory over sin. None of this negativity, like, I'm just addicted and I'm not, I'm not, <coughs> I'm not <coughs> bagging on addiction. Sin is addictive. But God can give you power to overcome that. God's not too weak. And God can still be honored in this world. Let other people mock God, right? Remember during COVID, the mayor, the governor of New York, what did he say? He's like, when things started to turn a little bit, he's like, well, you know, that has nothing to do with God. By the way, how did that work out for his political career? Didn't he get booted out of office? It's almost like God says, I see you. I see you. You want to trash me? I got you. Like the immoral are doing every day. Well, you know, God's not, can't say anything about what I'm doing. Okay. And all these different things. We not, we, look, we cannot control what others think about God, but we can control what we allow him to do in our life. Yeah. You say, Pastor, I don't think I'm seeing God's power in my life. He wants to, he wants to work. Yeah. He wants to work. Don't look down. Don't think God can't do something in your life. He wants to. Yeah. And he can. The blessing has not departed. If you would <coughs> believe his mother, her departing name for her son was as if God was dead. And I'm not getting on her, to be honest. She was not in a good emotional state of mind. It's like <clears throat> Martin Luther, the great <coughs> reformer who brought, her out, who brought about the Reformation. He, he went into a depression, and he was just moping around the house, and he wasn't doing anything. He woke up one morning, and his wife is walking around, and she's all dressed in black. And the father said to him, Martin Luther said to him, what's going on? Did someone die? And she goes, oh, you didn't hear? God died. And he looked at her and said, woman, that's blasphemous. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. I was guessing by the way that you were acting that God had died. That's the kind of wife you want right there, right, by the way. Okay. Look, God didn't die. Sometimes we think he has. We don't think it, but we act as if he did. God's not dead and neither were his blessings. Look at verse, chapter 7. <clears throat> the story wasn't done after the ark was taken. Look at chapter 7 and verse 3. <clears throat> Samuel is not now taking over. <clears throat> He's trying to get things corrected because Samuel knows what's right. Chapter uh, 7, uh, verse 3 says, Samuel spake to the house of Israel saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with <clears throat> excuse me, all your hearts... 
Then put away the strange gods and Astaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. He's, he, he knew what the problem was. He said, listen, if you'll turn things around, get rid of your false gods, make some changes, and follow the Lord, things will go better, and we will beat the Philistines. Verse 4. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and served the Lord. You see, he knew the problem. The problem wasn't that God would not bless them. He knew that they were not blessable. Now let me say this and understand what I'm saying. We all like to sing, God bless America. We all pray for God's blessings on America. Now understand what I'm saying here. I want that too, but understand what I'm saying. I never pray for God to bless America. I got your attention now. I pray that America becomes blessable again. You see, God did not change how he was going to deal with them until they changed their direction. Okay? And that's very important. We, God will never bless sin. We can't just say, you know, we want to lose the, God, I know we lost this battle and we lost the ark and we want to change that. God said, fine, put yourself in a position where I can do something. Quit stopping me from doing something in your life. Also, Ichabod, if you'll do that, the victory had not departed them. Keep looking in chapter 7, <coughs> verse 8. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hands of the Philistines. Do you see the difference there? Do you see the difference? They said earlier, we didn't read the verse, he said, let's bring the ark of God that it may give us victory. Now what they're saying, hey, Samuel, pray that God will give us the victory. They're getting the memo. They're starting to understand where the problem was. Verse 10, um, Samuel gives an offering in verse 9. Verse 10, and as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. Right after they said this. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomforted them. And they were smitten before Israel. They didn't get up and chase after them because now they had better weapons. Now they had a better strategy. Now they were taking the offensive to them. While they're talking to Samuel like, pray that God gives us victory. And Samuel's doing the offering. Here come the Philistines. And you know what God did? He discomforted them with thunder. They were already in a tizzy, and the children of Israel now could just go in and mop them up. See, God wants to give us victory. We often talk about the victorious Christian life, the Christian life that where I'm not just satisfied with my salvation, but I want God to do things in my life. You get it by trusting in God. Understand this, we are going to face battles in our life. We're going to have to battle sin, that's just the way it is. We're going to have to battle our flesh. That's just the way it is. We're going to have to battle the attractions and the lurement of what's going on in our world. We have, to, we have to battle our emotions and everything that's going on. And we all have weaknesses and we have to battle those things. But victory is available in every one of those areas if we remain ready and we remain close to God. You don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to have this like, it's over. I can't do it. No, you can't, but God can but you have to allow him to do it. Losing any of the battles would never be God's will. Ichabod's mother 
if we're like her, we want to blame God and not get to the real source of our problems. Isn't that how we are? God's departed. No, no, no. God did not depart. <coughs> they departed. We always do that. <coughs> we look at our problems and we have to blame somebody. We have to find some cause of it. Why don't we just stop and figure out what we got to do? <coughs> we say, well, that's somebody else's fault. <coughs> Let's just say they had a part in it. You allowed them to. And you can't change them, but you can change you. Next, Ichabod, <coughs> the future had not departed. Finish reading through the historical books. There were better days of coming. <coughs> There's a better king after Samuel. By the way, Samuel was a great leader. And then we get Saul, and Saul did okay for a while. But then you get to David. There was better days out there. God was not done with them. You see, the problem when we have difficulties in our life today and we allow them to stop us, it kills our future. Don't let any defeat in the past or any difficulties of the day defeat your future. God, God's never done with you until you're done with him. God never gives up with, on you. You give up on him. God never deserts you. You desert him. And your future can be better. You say, Pastor, I, I've had some struggles and, and I didn't grow up in church. And, and by the way, neither did I. But can I just tell you something? When I got saved and I started serving God, I was excited that I had a better future. Don't let anybody take that from you. Just because you struggle with something in the past does not need, mean you need to struggle into the future. Just because you've had some type of failure in the past doesn't mean you need to continue to fail in the future. See, I, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't, look, when something bad happens in our life or someone gets themselves into trouble, we don't need history lessons. We learn from it, we move on from it, and we go forward to the future. The future's a fresh page. And God can do great things in your life. And lastly, Ichabod, the opportunities have not departed. They lost that battle. <coughs> they lost temporarily. But God still had many opportunities for them. You see, one of the things we understand with the Philistines, they were always coming back, right? And there were going to be other opportunities there. Remember when Goliath came? Here they were, you know, they're over here like, what's going on? David's like, I got this. That's an opportunity. David didn't see an obstacle, he saw an opportunity. And when we're, when we're following the Lord, we have opportunities. Here's the point. What are you allowing <coughs> to stop you? What are you allowing? You know, I've heard people say, you know, don't, you know, uh, 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 you know I'm limited. God's never limited. If God's limited in your life, it's not because God's limited. It's because we've limited him. Do you understand that? God wants us to go full throttle, 100% forward, and God says, I'm in on that. Let's go. Let's do this. God wants to work in your life probably more than you even realize. And if God's not, it's because we're not allowing him. But it's always there. I always wonder. I wish God would tell us what happened to Ichabod. I would hope the poor kid got over it. Could you imagine growing up, no parents, nothing. I wonder how he turned out. I hope someone got to him and said, hey, listen, your name's not true. God is not 
dead. Let's not treat him like he is. The glory hasn't departed. Let's stand together <coughs> for a minute. <coughs> now we can talk about Ichabod, but let me just ask you, how about in your life? How about in your life? If we could stay still, that'd be great. Are you struggling? Well, God's power is still available. Do you feel like you've lost God's blessing? It's still available. You feel like maybe you've lost some battles? Victory is still available. You feel like the future is dark and dreary? It can still be light. But are you going to let God work? Are you going to let God work? Quit looking down on yourself. And let me say this. When I say quit looking down on yourself, I'm not talking about your skills. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about look what God can do. Who are you in, you know, you ought to think, who are you in Christ? God says a lot of good things about us when we are in Christ. We are his child. We are part of the inheritance. We are saints. And we look down at ourselves. Listen, God wants to do great things. Let's not limit him. Let's let God work in our life. Maybe there's some things we need to overcome. Maybe there's some attitudes we need to adjust. <coughs> if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, you're going to struggle in these areas. You may try to do these things on your own, but you can't. The thing you need to understand is how to get to heaven when you die. The Bible's very clear about that. The Bible tells us that's why Jesus Christ came, to save us so that once we're saved, we now can have abundant life. <clears throat> Think as you stand there. Are you 100% for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Or do you have any doubt at all? Because when you know, you don't doubt. With no one looking around, maybe, may I ask this question? If that's you, if you say, Pastor, I'm not 100% for sure if I were to die today, go to heaven, but that's something I'd like to find out about, Pastor, would you pray for me? With nobody looking around, put your hand up and down real quick, and I'll pray for you. Anybody like that at all? Anybody at all? The piano's going to play. Maybe you've been down on yourself. Maybe you've had some struggles in your life. It doesn't have to stay that way. Don't be Ichabod. It's not true. Panel's going to play. If God spoke to you at all, why don't you come? Why don't you come?